Welcome to the next best podcast with your hosts, Chris Cashman. 24 years old, a former sheet metal worker, Mr. America, and twice Mr. Universe. And Chris Daniels. Time magazine even named him Person of the Century. Now, from the CNC Podcast Factory, here's the next best podcast. And welcome for the first time to the all-new CNC Podcast Studio, Chris. It's very shiny. It's going to make you sweat. It's, it's still got that. It's new so hot in here. Podcast <laughs> studio smell. We've got professional microphones. They've even got windscreens so that if we do this, that's all you'll hear. And not if I took them away, you'd hear this. See, we can't Ooh. have that. That's what separates the pros from the amateurs. So we are now professional. We don't yet have soundproofing on the walls so that's why <laughs> if you get too far away that's why it sounds like we're in the back of you know the toilet but i assure you we're inside of a brand new professional state-of-the-art studio chris state of the art i mean we've gone up a level and it just so happens that our cnc podcast studio overlooks sodo and yes, occidental we actually can look out of where we are doing our show right now and see a some shiny lights irrelevant street that is now at the center of controversy as the Sonics Arena dilemma continues to unfold. I guess the good news is that it is news. Every week it is in the news. But has anything really changed, Chris? Because I know about a week ago you attended what was essentially an open house, right, between AEG yep. and the Oakview group. The two groups that would like to go in and make Key Arena viable as the Sonics hopefully return to Seattle soon enough. Yeah, and it was the first big meeting, really public meeting, after the bids had been submitted, and really the only public meeting before the mayor will make a decision on which one of those bids to forward to the Seattle City Council. And uh, it was pretty interesting, just kind of the subtext of it all. This was in the KEXP building, and they had the Oakview group on one side, and uh, the AEG group, they're called the Seattle Partners because they're teaming up with uh, Hudson Pacific. Uh, and, and what was interesting is uh, apparently the, the two groups were told to show up at 4 o'clock to set up for the 5 o'clock event. Mm -hmm. And one of the groups showed up at 1 o'clock. It was like the whole, uh, as somebody said to me, uh, the whole high school thing where every you know so somebody wants to have the shiniest, biggest club. thing. Yeah, shiniest, biggest thing. And so uh, the AEG folks had a video board and cupcakes and and little green Seattle Coliseum balls. Sounds like a recruitment fair. Yes, of some and, kind. and of course, a lot of people were drawn to the big shiny thing yeah. on the one side of the room. But uh, yeah, a lot of people uh, showed up to this event. Uh, there were elected officials there. The the mayor showed up. Uh, the former mayor, Mike McGinn, now running to be mayor, he showed up. Uh, and people that uh, have stake in the game, the 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 bidders, the proposers. Um, they were there with their big designs and, and talking about, you know, this is what it would look like. The one thing it was short on, though, was any talk about transportation and financing and some of the stuff that it seems like people continue to bring up. But was there, there an actual a... presentation? No, it, it wasn't. Like there was... wasn't an actual presentation. It right. was uh, a well-produced video uh, on the big screen with the cupcakes and the balls in front of the, <laughs> in front of them, and then uh, the the group that's been part of the design team saying, hey, this is what we're going to do. They even had like VR glasses you could put on to make it look like you're walking through the new Seattle Coliseum. And then the other side, Oakview, was kind of more 
traditional bare bones had pictures on easels and and they were kind of walking people through on what it would look like. Uh, but yeah, I mean, everybody's trying to get this step forward with the city uh, before they make their bid. And, and what came out of it, there wasn't a lot, a tremendous amount of information that came out of this open house, with the exception of Ed Murray came through. He spoke to me, spoke to a couple other people, and I asked him, hey, given everything else that's gone on in the last week uh, in, in his life and his career, uh, could that alter the arena proposal? And he said, actually, yeah, it'll probably speed it up. Yeah, we could make a decision sooner rather than later. And originally it was supposed to be uh, he, he was going to hand off uh, his recommendation at the end of June, early July. He's now saying it could be earlier. It could be like the first week in June. The problem, at least from the fans' perspective, and I'm speaking of, from myself, I don't know if that's a good thing. I, I don't know that I want it sped up as much as we're all – desperate for something to finally happen and shovels to go in the ground somewhere. I don't love the idea of, of doing a hurry-up job because I think from many accounts, there seems to be a strange alliance happening with yes. the key arena. I mean, at face value, you could say, yes, I understand why city officials might say, hey, this thing right here that already exists in our city and is now protected, we, yeah, we want to make this viable again. But I, I'm afraid that this could be another scenario where people are kind of asleep at the dial waiting to find out what's going to happen, and then they're going to say, no, great news, they pushed it through. Meanwhile, you have Chris Hansen's investment group who already has the land here in Soto. On the same day is that dog and pony show, the yeah. open house from those two groups, uh, AEG and Oakview. On that same day, Hansen's group finally put out something that is very interesting to read, and I like that they kind of... I don't want to say dumbed it down, but they kind of did. They made it, I've got it right here. I print out these bullet statements with the side-by-side, the difference between, the differences between the Soto Arena plan and Seattle's stadium district uh, versus Key Arena. And he just kind of goes through these side-by-side things you would want to know, like the RFP said no public financing. The Oakview Group and, OB, and Seattle Partners proposals both require public financing. We do not. That's in bold. You know, and he's just got these yeah. bullet statements that say, here's what you need to know. So people really should go check it out. In fact, you've written uh, several articles yes. in the last week or so uh, at king5.com. If people, fans who want to know exactly what's going on, because there's a lot of, uh, it seems like a lot of misdirection. You know, they're saying, look at these beautiful things. Look at these visuals. Look at all this. When Chris Hansen has come out in the last week, he was on ESPN radio saying, hey, you guys spent years going through my proposal with a fine tooth comb. How come suddenly these Seattle arena, you know, the, the key arena proposals seem to be immediately accepted? And it seems like a lot of people from the mayor to the council are going, this is great, home run, let's do it. And he's saying, whoa, 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 pump the brakes. You guys better look into these proposals because week by week and even day by day, little things can kind of sneak out and somebody notices and go, hey, wait a minute, they're asking for public dollars. I thought there was, I thought that was what they hated about Hanson's original. Right. He said, no, we revised it. Okay, we don't want any public money. But they're still somewhat resistant. What's, what do you think is going on? So there, there is some gamesmanship here. I mean, we were at the point where with three different groups uh, competing against each other that, that they're starting to talk about one another. So, the day that, that Hansen released uh, that study or analysis of their own on the two key arena bids, AEG came out and uh, talked as well about OVG's 
financing and, and what that plan may look like. And they didn't hide it, that they're asking for $250 million in public bonding. And, and where this will get interesting, there has, there's been a lot of discussion about that, what they've told me, what they've told others, um, what has been written about in other places, that there's a difference between bonding a building on public land versus bonding Chris Hansen's building. And what you're going to see is is whether the council really latches on to that, because there was concern last year before the street vacation vote that public funds in any way, shape, or form, bonding, financing, whatever you want to call it, should not be used uh, to build a private structure. And even after all of that, here we are now a year later talking about the potential for public bonding, and is there a risk or not? And um, you know, there's there's been a story written locally saying there's a risk to do public bonding, and that was when we were talking about Soto. So the question is, is there a risk here for the city? Uh, you also get into the weeds, and what the, the Hanson Group is claiming is that uh, the 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 taxes on arena construction. Uh, sales taxes, property taxes, lease excise taxes, parking taxes, uh, parking revenue subsidies, those things that come in uh, in a construction process like this equate to a public subsidy. And what he is pitching uh, down in Soto does not include all that. Right. Yes, they are asking for uh, a tax waiver and some B&O tax credits uh, in Soto. So it is not 100% positively... Uh, privately financed, but there would be some tax credits. Uh, but what Hansen's group is saying, compared to these other two, those tax credits are minimal. And, and you, you, you come back to the street vacation. The street vacation would not be a public giveaway uh, in terms of financially. Uh, the, the public would be giving the street to Hansen in exchange for 18 to $20 million, which would then be put hypothetically, into transportation. Yeah. So that would be the exchange there. I know that that, that has been written about and, and mentioned in places as being a public subsidy by giving away the street, but Hanson would be paying for the street as part of it. And, and I think what you're probably going to see, and uh, this is just kind of uh, educated guess uh, on my part, is I, I think that one of these two will be picked by the mayor uh, and then when it gets to the council, that's where the fight's going to be. And it's going to be about the, the truth and financing, mm-hmm. who's telling the truth, the truth and the transportation. Uh, AEG uh, acknowledged last week that their transportation plan, although it includes $5 million, is less car-centric. <laughs> that th- those were the words used by Alex Vuvulinidis. Sorry, Alex. Uh, I'm going to probably continue to stumble over Alex's name. Nice guy with Hudson Pacific. Uh, But he said their plan is less car-centric. So I think what you're hearing there is they are not going to solve the concerns about traffic in that area. They're going to try to encourage people to walk, bike, use rapid transit, use the monorail, etc. to get people to the game. And Which I will is a say, tough pitch in a, in it's a, a tough in a pitch city for people known for inclement weather as it, well. It's a tough pitch for people who live in other places not named Seattle. Yeah, um, but you know the, there was an argument, and there is an argument in that AEG proposal, and I, I keep calling it AEG, but it's Seattle Partners, 
that there there have been some case studies like Providence Park, the old PGE Park baseball soccer stadium down in Portland. It's where the Portland Timbers play. They house about 21,000, so a little bit more than an arena crowd. And it's in a residential neighborhood without a lot of parking. And that they have figured out there where to have parking, where to have shuttles. They also have more access to light rail. Uh, they're, they're also closer to the freeway there. But that there are ways to work around uh, having a venue in a residential area. So in Portland, they have figured it out. And, and I think AEG is putting that up as potentially a model uh, for them as they go forward. Now, when you look at this side-by-side comparison that Hanson's Group's put out, yeah. it really does, for folks who are just casually following this and are just waiting for the news that something has been done and it's going to be built and it's official... Not a lot of people want to dig too deep, uh, certainly not as deep as you do on a regular basis to understand what all this means. But again, even just reading a few of these bullet points, I think it answers a lot of the questions or at least highlights what Hanson says is being swept under the rug. You know, when he was on ESPN radio, he said, you know, you spent five years, as he said, nitpicking every little part of our proposal. And And he goes on to say, you know, that look, there's a lot of this that's just kind of being swept under the rug or at least glossed over since they put out their proposals. And... As he said, you don't get fairy glitter here. You know, he's saying, look, stuff's going to come out. Little details are going to finally surface, so we'll do you the favor, and here's some of the side-by-side comparisons. As I I mentioned the first one, the RFP said no public financing. The Oakview Group, OVG, and Seattle Partners, they both require public financing. We do not. Second statement, these are both music-first proposals that could make attracting an NBA or NHL team less likely. That's an important part that probably a lot of people aren't understanding is a part of that, that that these groups do want to prioritize music and music concerts and things like that. So you could get duped into saying, all right, hey, these guys got a great proposal. The city's behind it. Maybe the mayor's behind it. We'll find out, you know, uh, let's do it. Let's get this done. And then you could really be left holding the receipt saying, wait, 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 wait. They didn't... So Hoops isn't a part of this? Well, and, and there, is, there is the factor, and the Hanson Group has brought this up before, uh, about a third-party operator, meaning the owner of a team would not be operating the new arena and, and how that's become an issue in the past. It's made it tougher. For instance, everybody likes to talk in the story about Kansas City. Kansas City built a new arena down there uh, thanks to AEG at the time run by Tim Lewicki, who now runs the hmm. Oakview Group. Yeah. And it was built with the idea that they're going to attract an NBA and NHL team. And to this day, more than a decade later, they don't have one because the building has become more profitable as a college basketball and music venue. Irving Azoff, who uh, is the co-founder, along with Tim Laiwicki, of the Oakview Group, uh, even went to the Wall Street Journal after the proposal was announced and said it could be one of the best music venues in the world. So he put it out there that he was looking at music uh, and AEG, not so much. AEG has kind of gone out of their way. They have, you know, the little basketballs and whatnot at the, yeah. the open house. Uh, but that that has been uh, an issue that has been brought up. I mean, you start talking about uh, in the language, and I'd have to go back and look at the two uh, side by side. Uh, but I know that the Hanson Group brought up ticket fees and facility mm-hmm. fees and, and what that means to the ticket price, say, for smaller outfits like the Seattle Storm, Rat right. City Roller Girls, Seattle U, that those teams would, or those groups wouldn't necessarily like to have extra money on the ticket because it potentially 
would suppress ticket sales. Right. And that any owner that comes in of an NBA or NHL team wouldn't like it because of what it means for ticket sales. I think you'd have to do a deeper dive on the analysis on that. Uh, but that was one of the things that was brought up uh, with this. It's almost a, a, a dossier that <laughs> the Hanson camp put together yes. of like 10 pages. But I do appreciate that they boiled it down into these easy to 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 you know, break off statements like what you were just talking about. He says, our proposal does not ask for exclusivity. If OBG or AEG proposals are granted the exclusive right to build an arena in Seattle, it could force prospective NBA or NHL owners to look outside the city to find a better share of arena economics. So there there are a lot of these underlying nuanced things. It's like when you're, you know, trying to go buy a house or something for the first time. There's Things that, uh, you know, your realtor or even the mortgage folks have to explain to you. What exactly does this mean over here? And the Seattle Partners didn't back down from that in the conversation I had with them last week. They said, hey, if we're going to put all this money up and we're going to build this privately, uh, in their words, then we should have the right to have exclusivity. I mean, that is a clause in their bid that I'm sure is going to get some scrutiny when it gets to the council, if it gets to the council because you're talking about essentially the city giving away this land. Uh, I mean, it'd be a ground lease, but giving away the area there at Seattle Center for potentially dozens of years. I mean, right. 35 years plus extensions, yeah. uh, depending on who has the option, that nobody else in the city of Seattle limits would be able to build something like a new arena. So uh, that is... You know, it's something that, that the Hanson camp brought up that they're not they're not asking for exclusivity, uh, but that th- this would this would uh, effectively give the Seattle Partners a monopoly. Yeah, uh, in the city of Seattle, which is a part of the storyline. I think certainly what you you see as a reaction on Twitter when you post articles like this on King5.com, a lot of the people seem to say. You know, the new word, of course, is collusion. This isn't right. quite Russia, but you know, <laughs> a lot of people are saying it seems like there's definitely a lean on this. That yeah. the second these two groups came out and said, "Hey, Seattle Center, Key Arena, we'll take it seriously," all of a sudden everybody was perking up in their seats, and you're getting a lot of quick endorsements. And as I've told you from the fans' perspective, I've always been worried that Chris Hansen is just going to finally wipe his hands and say, "Forget it, you guys. My, I bought this old property over here. I've done all the work. We've turned in all the proposals. We've got the blueprints. We've got the permitting." Which he talks about in his his little side by side comparison. Says we're ready to go. We could have shovels in the ground. You know, as soon as we work out these final details, and it is you know going to be privately financed. All these things that got people hot and bothered when he first surfaced right. with this was wait, wait taxes. Did he say taxes? They've since you know fixed all that and gone back in. That's the the next proposal here. It says, look, their proposals would cost the city public financing, taxes, parking, sponsorships, exclusivity, etc. Soto would benefit the city 100%. Private financing, no financial risk. 27 million in public benefits, including 8 million in public art, and a significantly more uh, on that new tax revenue that flows directly to the city. So, you know, this is all posturing, but it seems like important posturing because. These two groups have surfaced, both going after the same property. Suddenly, the city seems to be behind it. We all know what happened the last time that the city got to make a big decision on the future of this team. So I think a lot of people are justifiably scared. It's hard to not look at, which is unfair, but it's hard not to look at that you know AEG and OVG as you know like almost the villains, yeah. just because because we already had somebody with the property with the plan is slowly attached to the right people to his project. 
um, you know, from... But here, here's why they're getting cast as villains. And, I, and I've told both groups uh, this, so, and, and they know it, that uh, and I think you and I have talked about it, that if, if these bids were submitted in 2006 right. or 2011, then people are running through the streets. It's the biggest story. They're coming back. They're coming back. We finally got a deal to do something yeah. at Key Arena. There'd be a hell of a lot more excitement over it. But the fact that it comes now... I think why the the reaction has been yeah. so subdued is because people think, well, this just means it's another five years until the Sonics come back, right. or another five years until I finally see hockey. Both those groups know that, and, and they've tried to counter by saying, yes, but it's going to be state-of-the-art, and it'll only be four years away, and we can lock something down before the arena opens. And uh, But they know that. They're, they're fighting that perception, knowing that uh, the, the guy across town – is ready to go with with one more vote, um, it, and it's it's going to be tough to change that perception. I mean, if if the city ultimately decides not to go ahead with the street vacation vote and they go with Seattle Center and, and you know cut the ribbon and let off balloons, it's still going to be an odd reaction, right? Because it just means the end of the story is not near after already right. eleven years. Um, and I, Hanson's group talks about that in their, their document, that if, if you go to Key Arena and you renovate Key Arena, that um, because of the public financing request, EIS and construction timeline, now I'm reading, will likely push the arena opening date out five to seven years. And demolition of Key Arena means there's no adequate facility in the city or immediate vicinity for a team to play in, in the interim. So, uh, you know, that's according to the Hansen group, but we're so very early on in the process talking about renovation. I mean, it's still, it's still a bid has to be accepted. A bid still has to be negotiated uh, with the city council. City council members are going to be potentially in an election cycle, uh, potentially could be running for mayor. This could, uh, will likely be an election issue. That just magnifies everything. And um, the, there were council members who voted against the street vacation vote using uh, a thought process that could be applied to Key Arena, meaning public financing and traffic. And, and how, do you, how do you equate those two things? So as I've said before, this, this story is fascinating because it touches on so many things. I mean, here we are talking about transportation and politics and, and financing, right? And not about sports. If you could go back to the 90s and tell the Sonics that this would be going on, they'd probably almost be flattered to say, all, yeah. all this about basketball? But well, it's, it's really almost unfair that we compare these two, we kind of see it as two sides, Key Arena versus Soto, when when really they are, you know, slowly but surely they've come out and, and exposed the fact that they're arguably two, I don't even know if you could call them competing interests because Hanson's group has made it quite clear. This is about basketball. He said it. I want to get my family in the seats to watch Sonics basketball as soon as possible. That's my goal. NHL would be great. On the other side, Key Arena, you know, for people not paying enough attention, they're not, this is not a basketball or even hockey first. That might, that might be a part of it. So in some capacity, it's almost, upsetting that they couldn't be seen as two separate entities great you guys want to do something with key arena go for it meanwhile over here in soto we've got somebody who owns the property has done the legwork is already years advanced in, in the process although we've not by we i mean the city we've not given them any 
you know, any room to, to make something happen, but he's already there, he's waiting, and he's made it quite clear what his interests are, and that's basketball. So really, you're kind of almost talking to two different fan bases, although they may not be aware that these are really two separate offerings, one that may very well come with basketball and maybe hockey, and one that definitely that is their interest. That's the whole reason they are putting up this arena. Well, and the, and the fact the deal hasn't been closed in Soto uh, has fed in this perception, and it's I've heard about it from multiple people from City Hall, that the reason why Hanson can't close the deal, uh, and he is aware this perception exists, is because the NBA and the NHL don't like him. And that if he could come with a team, that it would change the perception and change this entire conversation because it would, uh, he would be able to say, I can build now if I have a team. But the fact he hasn't been able to say that leads to this perception that the city needs to do something at Key Arena because the NBA and the NHL don't want to work with Hanson. And uh, it, it'll be interesting to see if that question finally gets solved one way or the other. The NBA and the NHL don't want to get involved in this at this point because it's become way too convoluted on the local level. Uh, I, I will say that there was an interesting development uh, just this week, the Seattle Storm. Uh, there's going to be a, a public meeting on Friday about new legislation that would extend their lease at Key Arena until 2028. So the city hmm. of Seattle uh, formally introduced it on Monday, uh, the, this ordinance that would allow the Storm, Force 10 Hoops that owns the Storm, to play at Key Arena through 2028. It would tear up their existing deal and... and They'd be there for uh, more than a decade. Uh, what's interesting about it is it also has a financial penalty if the storm are forced to leave the building for a renovation. Hmm. So uh, it's $2.6 million a year. At least the city would have to pay the storm if they are form- forced to relocate. fee of some sort. Yes, uh, $260,000 a game. Uh, so a, a capped at $2.6 million plus any sort of playoff games per year miss per year. And you're so there's about- talk within the, this, this ordinance that could be three years. They'd be forced to play elsewhere. I mean, keep in mind their season is kind of during the summer, spring and summer. Uh, and it just depends on construction t- timelines, but that they could be out for three years. Right. Uh, and that there is a financial penalty. So that's interesting because that sure. has to be factored into any other discussion. And it was only a couple of weeks ago. We talked about the Seattle sports commission saying, Hey, we signed a deal with March Madness. Right. So no matter which way you look at it, whether or not Key Arena is chosen as the most viable by those who get to choose, uh, it may not be really available well, for mean, some time. And if it is, it's going to uh, create complicated wrinkles with other tenants and other leases and contracts that are already yeah. in place. And, and we're not even talking about Seattle U, but you know, as far as the storm are concerned that this is a good deal for them because it also says that this this ordinance would be binding for whatever uh, whatever new arena operator there is there that they they would still have the same terms and conditions uh, and the same revenue and, and proceeds and and rent payments and all that kind of stuff uh, with this deal so uh, they they may you know get this done and and then have a new building that's even better for their product. Uh, after it opens, if the city continues to go down a key arena path. But, yeah, huge financial penalty uh, if this was to get signed. And, again, there's a public meeting on that on Friday. Uh, and then if it gets out of committee on Friday, then a potential council vote. And there's no 
there's no sign that the, the council wouldn't approve it as is. I mean, there are people in this town who believe that the storm should be a priority, and they've been here for 17 years, and right. they've been at Key Arena for 17 years, and they're role models for a lot of young women mm-hmm. uh, in the region, and uh, that that this, I mean, it's it's a really good deal if you're a storm fan. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, not to mention that, you know, the other part of this financially, of course, is the idea of cost overruns. Oh, yeah. Which you hear about, you know, I mean, that's that's a layer that the average fan isn't going to sit and obsess over, unless, of course, your tax dollars are a part of it. But uh, you look, Seattle is a city that knows all too well what cost overruns look like, just about anything they've built, including the world's largest tunnel boring machine, Big Bertha, that came out, uh, what, several years after it was supposed yeah. to? So. Somebody's going to be on the hook for that. And once again, Chris Hansen's group and their side-by-side comparisons, that's one of the line items there at cost overrun risk. Oakview Group, yes. Seattle Partners, question mark. Soto Arena, no. Basically saying, we got you. We get it. We're, we're on the hook for this. So this bizarre feud continues here between the two groups, and uh, we're going to just have to wait and see. Do you have another 11 years in you, Chris? I don't have another 11 years I in don't. me. I, I just tell everybody there's got to be a conclusion soon. Uh, I, I think I still think even despite what has happened on a political level, there'll be a decision by the end of this year uh, on, on which way the city goes on this. Uh, it, it's... Brian Surratt, who's the economic development director, he has said we cannot come away with this, uh, come out of this process and not have an arena. They have to have something done. And, and given the, the political climate, the fact there'll be new council members and a new mayor, they probably, everybody involved knows they have to get it done this year uh, for the most part. Hansen's MOU with the city expires in December, so uh, it, it wouldn't surprise me if the city does go down a key arena route, they wait until after that MOU is expired. Uh, because what, what Hansen's MOU did was give him the exclusive right to build within that. Right. Uh, and that's you know that's what uh, the city needs to get out of before they grant somebody else the exclusive right. So we'll see. It, I, I, I would hope that it's uh, done by the end of this year. And, and, uh, and then we start talking about, you know, is there going to be another environmental review, another traffic analysis, and all that kind of stuff? The hurry up and wait has been agonizing, but I would say that from a fan's perspective, probably the only thing that would be more agonizing is to find out that this was rushed through. Let's just say that things continue to lean the direction they are, and the city says, Kirina, that's it, for sake of argument. OBG, you're it. You're up. You got it. Go. The only thing more painful than watching all of this take so long and waiting for the team to come back would be to find out that we have chosen a route that does not include NBA basketball, which is a very possible outcome of this whole thing. And that's a little bit scary. That's a little bit scary because I think a lot of fans feel like what happened when the Sonics were taken from us was too many people asleep at the dial because this stuff doesn't happen to us. It happens to other cities. This is the kind of thing we would have heard of in Oklahoma City. It would have been reversed. The thunder, hey, we got the thunder, all right. Uh, and I just I just worry that it's going to happen again. People are going to be so distracted by these proposals and competing interests and validations from you know unofficial endorsements that people aren't going to look close enough to say, wait a minute, only if, if you're if you're trying to choose a side based on getting basketball back, um, they're not both sides aren't offering that as a quote-unquote guarantee. No, they're not. And 
Uh, and that's one thing that Hanson has not been willing to match either is the building on spec. That's what these two groups are offering to do. We'll build, build on it spec. no matter what. And he's saying, I, I don't need to build on spec. I'll build when we have a team. Yeah. And I, I don't know if he could even convince anybody that he'd be allowed to be build on spec uh, to try and match the other two groups. I mean, that, that's one thing I don't think he can match right. because I, they, they've already indicated the council that they don't want to hand over a street without a team. Right. So, um, yeah, it's the, it's, it's the soap opera that just keeps on giving. Will Soto get a chance to build an NBA, potentially NHL arena? And is this key arena perspective just a mirage? That's really the question. Yeah, and if, if it is key arena, that means the National Hockey League is not coming here for five years. Because they would have nowhere champions. to play. Even though we've got hockey champions right down the street. Right down the street. The Seattle. Thunderbirds. The Seattle Thunderbirds, which play in Kent, by the way. Because of the last Kiarina remodel back in 1995, made it so awful to watch hockey. Too soon! Made it so awful to watch hockey. And everybody who has watched a hockey game there will tell you, when it was remodeled and reconfigured, they had that black tarp hanging down from the one side. The Thunderbirds attendance suffered. People didn't want to watch games there. And you know what? They moved to Kent, where they are the Kent Thunderbirds, but still the Seattle Thunderbirds. But yeah, the Key Arena remodel, the last one, is a big reason why they don't play in Seattle anymore. Who would have thought a decade later that this would finally be relevant news again and that we would have multiple parties fistfighting over who gets the chance to potentially bring the Sonics back? It's a soap opera. On Twitter and Instagram, at Next Best Pod. This is the exclusive ending of the Next Best Podcast. Chris, I like you. I just don't think it was an incredible vocal performance. That's the point I was trying to make.